Welcome to today's podcast, Casting Down Idols. This is the podcast where we talk about addictions and recovery from a biblical point of view. I'm your host, Pastor Mike Dixon, and I'm addressing the problem of addictions from my own personal experience, but most importantly, from a biblical perspective. Whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex, shopping, gambling, or overeating, or whatever struggle you may be facing, I want you to know there's hope for change. It's my prayer that through this podcast, you'll pick up some tools and encouragement that will enable you to live addiction-free. I've been clean and sober now for 31 years, and you can too. Whatever it is that binds you doesn't have to bind you any longer. So let's learn, grow, let's encourage one another on this road called recovery. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. This is Pastor Mike Dixon, pastor of Oakdale Baptist Church in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, also host of this podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you. If you would go to the host page and leave us a positive review, maybe even a five-star rating, that'll help us reach more folks. Casting Down Idols is the podcast where we talk about addictions from a biblical perspective. I want to share something with you in this episode. This is actually a sermon that I preached at Oakdale Baptist Church on Sunday night, November the 3rd. We're going through the book of James. This particular message covers James chapter 1, verses 22 through 27. The title of the message is, Be a Doer of the Word and Not Just a Hearer. You know, I can communicate truth to you all day long, but unless you really hear that truth and apply that truth to your life, it will make absolutely no difference in the way that you live. I believe God's word brings freedom. It'll draw you to Christ and bring you into the family of God by grace through faith, but it also empower you through the ministry of the Holy Spirit to be the man or the woman that God wants you to be. You can break free. From whatever it is that binds you in life, from whatever it is that you struggle with, you can be free from that. God's power is more than able to deliver you. So I want you to listen to this message the next 30 minutes or so, and I want you to examine your heart. Maybe let this be a time where you do a spiritual checkup, if you would, to examine your relationship with God and the way that you live your life. Are you just a hearer of the word or are you also a doer of the word? It's my prayer that this message might bless you today, encourage you today. I pray the Holy Spirit of God will do a work only he can do. James chapter 1, verses 22 through 27. We're not about religion. When I think about religion, that's man's attempt to get to God. I think about Christianity and the gospel, that's God's attempt to get to man. Now, which one do you want? Man's attempt to get to God ain't going to work because there's nothing we can do to get our to earn our way to heaven or uh, to get God's favor. So religion always fails. So we're not about religion, but we're about a relationship. In fact, the motto here at Oakdale Baptist Church is to know Jesus, to serve Jesus, and to share Jesus, right? You know that. And so it's all about him, not about religion. Now, tonight we're going to look at James chapter 1, beginning in verse 22. You got your Bibles ready, I hope, in James chapter 1. The Bible says, And be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. 
But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained or unspotted from the world. Let's bow together in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to pause right now. I'm asking you to bless of your word. I pray your Holy Spirit, Lord, would teach us, impart to us this truth that we need to gain tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. And you may be seated. You know, the word religion doesn't appear many times in the Bible. In fact, in the Old Testament, you will not find the word religion anywhere in the Old Testament. It appears only five times in the New Testament. And right here in these handful of verses we just read, how many times do you have the word? Twice. So only five times in the New Testament. Two of those five times, it's right here in James chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. The word that is used for religion, translated from the Greek language, is a word that means ceremonial observance. That's what that word religion means. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but if all you've got is outward expression and there's no inward transformation, there's a big problem. See, that's when it becomes just about religion and not about a relationship. I believe if you've got a relationship with God and the only way to have that is through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, then it's not going to be just about religion. There's got to be a relationship and then that shows forth outwardly. And that's what James is talking about here. When he says in verse 26 that there is a religion that is absolutely useless. That is a passion of James in writing this book. How can you tell in somebody's life, even in your own life, if you've got the real deal, if you're an authentic Christian, if you've got real faith, how's that played out in a believer's life? Number one, they take God's word seriously. They don't play around when it comes to God's word. And James is writing here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he uses an illustration of a man who just carelessly glances in the mirror. He doesn't really take time to examine what's going on. He doesn't make any adjustments because he's not really paying attention. Uh, notice his careless glance beginning here in verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Now that word deceiving there out of the Greek language translated from a word uh, that's talking about someone deluding themselves, someone who's deluded. Now, I'm sure you know what that word means, but just in case you don't, let me kind of expand on that a little bit. Have you ever talked to somebody that you know they're not a professing Christian? I mean, they don't go to church. They've never made a, a public profession of trust in Christ as their Savior. I'm okay. I'm okay. Don't worry about me. I actually had a person at a previous church, and that was his favorite line. He wasn't in the church. He was in the church neighborhood. He wouldn't come to church, didn't profess to be a Christian. Every time I, time I tried to talk to him, he always went back to the little good deeds that he did, and that was the tagline that he put at the end, don't worry about me, I'm okay. That person is deluded. That person is under a delusion. That person is believing something uh, that m most likely is not necessarily true, uh, because there's no fruits from their lives. If you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, there's nothing you can do. You need to trust Him. You follow me there? Now look at verse 23. Look at this imagery that he uses. Uh, he says in verse 23, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer. Now listen to what he says. He's saying this is what this person is. There's a person who just hears, 
And maybe he's nodding his head. Maybe she's nodding her head. Oh, yeah, man. I, um, you know, I love, I love the Lord, and I do this, and I do that, but they don't practice the living Word of God in their life at home or on the job or in their school or in their neighborhood. James is saying that person, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Now, you know what your natural face is, right? Now, I know today, you know, i got to kind of ask that question because there's a lot of people running around that don't have their natural face anymore because we got facelifts and nose jobs and uh, wrinkle creams and all this stuff today that makes you look younger, right? And so when it talks about the natural face, that's talking about, but he's talking about the face that you're born with. Uh, he says in verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. And so that's the face that he's born with. He's a hearer of the word. He's not a doer of the word because the Bible says he glances at the mirror. He doesn't take a long, a long time to really gaze at his reflection, to actually take it in, to actually receive it, to actually uh, look at the details, to actually pay attention to what's going on for he looks at himself first and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. In other words, he glances in the mirror and he runs right out and doesn't even think about, doesn't even realize what he just saw in the reflection in the mirror. Doesn't do anything about it. And guys, I don't know if this ever happened to you, but especially when my girls were younger and Melissa and I get ready to go somewhere, you know, it was always rush, rush. You know, get the kids ready, get the kids in the car, get them buckled up, get everything done. And I remember more than one time getting in the car, got all the kids there, we're ready to go, maybe we're running late. And Melissa will look at me and she'll say, did you even brush your hair? And I'm like, of course I brushed my hair. She said, well, you got a Catholic. This is when I had more to do now. Sticking right straight up in the back. And I look in the mirror. Sure enough, there's a Catholic there. I really wasn't paying attention, right? James is talking about a person who looks in the mirror. Now, the mirror is the Word of God. Now, this is the law of God. He talks about it being the perfect law of God. It's perfect because God's Word is without error. It's completely trustworthy. There's no error in the Word. It's the law of God. You know, how can you have a civilization uh, that's going to be civilized if they don't have a foundation for what's right and for what's wrong? And I know we live in a time today where people believe that there's no absolute right and wrong, no absolute truth, that everything's relative. But I'm telling you, there is an absolute line of what's right and what's wrong. And it's this book right here. It's the same book that James is talking about. And he's talking about the person who glances into the uh, Word of God at first, really doesn't take it in, and maybe have a copy of the Bible in your hand, and to let it go in one year and say, Amen, yes, I agree, if it doesn't change you, doesn't motivate you, doesn't move you to be the hands and feet of Christ, something's wrong there. See, that's being a hearer and not a doer. If you've got authentic faith, you're going to hear it, but it's going to change you. So you're going to take it and it's going to do something. It's going to be played out in your life just in some degree, in some scenario, people are going to know. Uh, but the first one he talks about is this person that has a casual glance the Word of God. Fill me with the Word, like those empty water pots we were talking about this morning. Fill me with the Word. God help me to be motivated by the power of the Holy Spirit when I leave here to take that and apply it to my life in the way that I live. I don't want to be like the guy who just glances in the mirror and all of a sudden runs out and he's got a cow leak in the back or he's missed a, part, a spot shaving. And I'm talking about from a spiritual perspective, hearing the Word of God and not applying it to my life. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the one who's looking intently like a sponge. Man, I'm in the Word of God. I want it all. God, show me what you'd have me to do. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty... God's absolute standard for what's right and for what's wrong. God's word 
you know, liberty, it brings freedom. God's word brings freedom. Jesus said in John 8, 32, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. God's word will liberate you to have a godly marriage. God's word will liberate you from uh, low self-worth. God's word can liberate you from depression, despair, worry, fear, anxiety. There's power in the word of God. And so, so this guy is continually looking into the word. Not I got to hurry, I got somewhere to go. No, I'm talking about intently looking. Being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. You see that in verse 25? We've already looked at that word blessed before uh, in our Bibles. Anybody remember what it means? Happy. Happy, that's what it means. When you see it in the Bible, you can substitute the word happy. Remember the uh, Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Happy or blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. You remember all those in Mark in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 11. The word blessed or blessed means happy, means inner fulfillment, means joy, inner satisfaction, Happy is the person, blessed is the person, fulfilled is the person who does what? Who doesn't just hear the word of God, but applies the word of God, not just a hearer, but also a doer. See, that's abundant life. John chapter 10, verse 10. We talk about it Tuesday nights in our life ministry, addiction recovery ministry. You got to hear the word of God, but you got to apply the word of God to your life. Living out the word of God. And then when he's talking about a mirror here, and you know, not everybody looks in a mirror the same way. You understand that, right? Men and women look in the mirror differently. Men, we're kind of like the guy in verses 23 and 24 for the most part. I mean, you know, glance in the mirror, jump in front of the mirror, glance for a couple of minutes, and, you know, forget all about what you saw. But women don't deal with mirrors that way. I'm just saying. Women, they got magnified magnification mirrors. They got little round mirrors in their pocketbooks. They got wall mirrors. They got door mirrors. They got full length mirrors. They got mirrors that's got lights around them in the bathroom where they put on their makeup. And what I'm saying is this isn't a bad thing. I'm not picking on our ladies. What I'm saying is, guys, we can learn a great deal from our ladies because our ladies don't just glance for a minute in the mirror. They gaze intently in that mirror. Amen? You take your wife to buy a car. She's not going to ask what kind of motor's in the car. She's going to ask you, does it have a lighted mirror on the visor? That's what I want to know. If it's got a lighted mirror on the visor we need to buy, it's going to be my car. See, a woman, she's going to gaze intently in that mirror. And here's what we can learn. She's going to gaze intently because she wants to figure out if anything's not right here, she's going to make some adjustments. She's going to get it right. If there's a wrinkle needs to be dealt with or hair out of place or, uh, you know, the makeup is not put on just right, she's going to take the time to right that wrong. You hearing me? That's the word of God. We need to look into the Word of God intently. We need to ask ourselves when we're looking into the perfect law of God that brings liberty, what's not right with me? And whatever's not right with me, I've got to take time to make some adjustments before God. The Bible says we're given the illustration of the Word of God being the mirror. Let's not rush. Let's, let's not be in a hurry. You know, let's listen. Let's apply what God speaks to us through his word. Let's not just be a hearer of the word, but let's be a doer of the word. I love the imagery here that he gives us. James writes here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the pictures that he gives us. He says, the one that looks intently and perseveres, that means keep on keeping on, perseveres through it. I mean, he's looking intently. He's gazing intently in the word of God. 
It will forever change your life if you've got that kind of attitude. If you're not in a rush, you really want to hear what God has to say and you're willing with the receptive spirit, God, I'm willing to make the adjustments I need to make. James is saying that's an illustration of an authentic believer. True faith, true faith. An authentic believer, number two, they bridle their tongue. Look at verse 26, if anyone thinks. I think that's interesting right there. Just because you think it's so doesn't make it so, right? I mean, you could be under a delusion. You could be deluded, right? And that's something James has already been talking about. Uh, you can be believing something that's not true. And so those people that you talk to that don't know Christ as their Savior, but they think they're all right because they do this good thing and they do the other good thing. They don't do that wicked thing or they don't do the other thing. Well, they may think it's true, but that doesn't make it true. And so he says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Wow. You can't bridle your tongue. Mm. What you think may be so may not be so after all. Man, this is heavy stuff right here. Now, I was a little boy and I'd go to the doctor. I remember first thing the doctor would do when I sat up, jumped up on that table, climbed up on that table on that crinkly white paper um, and my feet dangling off, dangling off, he'd come at me with this, right? He stick it, he pushed down my tongue and said, ah, open wide. That's the first thing. You know, I've learned since then that doctors can tell a great deal about your health by just checking out your tongue. The Holy Spirit through James is telling us when it comes to our spiritual checkup, you want to find out where you are? Do you have control of your tongue? Because the Bible says it's got to be bridled. Why? Because your tongue is uncontrolled, right? Unless you take control of it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what is your tongue used to do? What are the words that you speak? The words that come out of your mouth, I mean, are the words to build up? That word bridle there in verse 26. It's got to be bridled. It's talking about an animal. Picture, You know what a bridle is. A wild animal, you've got to put a bridle on the animal to lead the animal around because if you don't, it's a wild animal. Same way with our tongues. My tongue is not supposed to be controlling me. I'm supposed to be controlling my tongue. And the person who says, well, I love God, I love God, I love the church. Pastor Mike, let me tell you, I was baptized in Cokie Swamp back in 1953. My daddy was a, was a deacon in the church and my great-granddaddy was president of the annual chicken fry for the brotherhood all those years. I tell you what, I love the Lord. And that person goes out and gossips like nobody's business. I'm telling you, according to what God says through James in chapter 1, something ain't right with that. An unbridled tongue is evidence of fruit of the fact not that somebody knows Christ and has authentic faith, but just the opposite of that is true. So, you know, maybe it's a time for a checkup. I need to remember. I need to control my tongue. I need to make sure that what's coming out of my mouth, and you say, well, preacher, I don't gossip, but just something about me. People just coming to me and just want to tell me all this stuff. Let me let you in on something. Even though maybe you're not repeating the gossip, you're as guilty as they are because there'd be no gossip the person if nobody listened to the gossip and so i need to be reminded of that see james is saying this is heavy stuff this is a big deal this is a serious situation in the sight of god i need to make sure that my tongue is not loose that it's bridled under the power of the holy spirit that i'm not a slanderer that i'm not going through life as a gossip that i'm not passing around rumors that are not true the world's watching i tell you what and the world's listening what are they hearing from you Dear brother and sister, someone with an authentic faith, they take God's word seriously. They know how to bridle their tongue. They control their tongue. And number three, they help the helpless. They help the helpless. You know, verse 27 says, religion that is pure and undefiled. That means authentic. 
the real deal, authentic faith. Uh, that religion or a religion like that is an expression of an inner faith, an overflow, outflow of what's in your heart, not just outward ceremony. See, that's why I don't really like the term religion because I think about religion and outward ceremony. It's not just outward ceremony, but it's a flow from the heart because the Lord lives there. Now, I keep looking at verse 27 here. Religion that is pure and unfiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans. Now, Paul's right there when it says visit. It's not talking about dropping by for five minutes, how you doing, good. The word is actually a word that means to assist, to actually assist somebody. So when it's talking about visiting here, it's not just talking about me, what we think of when we think about business. It's actually meaning I'm going to put some energy into this thing. I want to help. You're hungry? Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go get some food. You need clothing? Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go get you some clothes. It motivates me. So it's a word actually uh, that means more than just dropping by, but to actually assist. So what does he say about religion that's pure and defiled? It's to visit the orphans and the widows in their affliction. Now, what do those two groups have in common? Orphans and widows in their affliction. Yeah, they're helpless. These are helpless groups. An orphan and a widow in biblical times, I mean, if a woman didn't have a man, if she didn't have a husband, she didn't have a son, she couldn't work. There was no support from the government, no welfare, anything to take care of her. If a woman in biblical times did not have a man, she was going to be destitute. She didn't have a man to take care of her. And so orphans and widows, helpless, helpless. As a, as a born-again believer, I need to be motivated to reach out to those who are helpless. Authentic faith motivates you. Authentic Christianity motivates you. And the thing that gets me so much in churches is that the people that grumble, that don't have a bridal tongue, that just mumble and grumble and gossip and criticize, um, those are the people in the church who are doing the least. Every time, I can't think of an exception in my mind. I've been pastoring churches almost 30 years. I can't think of one exception to that rule. The people that are mumbling and grumbling with an unbridled tongue are the people that are doing the least in the church. Most of the time, they're doing absolutely nothing in the church. James says, don't just be a hearer, be a doer. God, you know, this shoebox ministry that we're involved in year after year after year. A lot of these children are orphan children. I mean, you talk about third world countries. I've been to South Africa. I've been to Swaziland. I've been to Honduras. All those children, so many children in the midst of so much poverty, so much dysfunction, so many broken homes, so many different daddies. Parents have no contact with these. I mean, this is one. This is a perfect example of how we can do something. We can take the Word of God, apply it to our life, and how simple is this? And it's a simple thing that we do, but I believe this is a direct application to what the Holy Spirit is moving James to write about to minister to those that are helpless, widows and orphans, those that can't do anything for themselves. You know, I've met a lot of people in my life too that um, are just like this, and then I've met a lot of people who are willing to do something for you, but they're also, they want it to come back around to them. You hearing me? I know a lot of people who are willing to do a favor for you, but in the back of their mind, you can bet on it, sometime down the road, they're coming back and they're going to say, ah, you remember what I did for you? Now it's time for you to return the favor. You know anybody like that? That's not giving. See, that's not what Scripture is teaching us here. You know, we need, to give, we need to give like God gives. We need to give with no strings attached, not expecting anything in return, just to be a giver. That's what we ought to do. And so James is telling us, take God's word seriously. We need to bridle our tongue, help the helpless. To you, number four, they live a clean life. They live a clean life. And you know, I know holiness is, is not a popular subject today for many pulpits. We need to live in holiness in righteousness. He talks about in verse 27, we're to keep ourselves unspotted, unspotted from the world. That word means unstained, unspotted, unstained by the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And God help us to not 
compromise. All right? Okay, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer. Be a doer of the word, not just a hearer of the word. If you're anywhere near Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, we'd love to have you as our guest at Oakdale Baptist Church. Oakdale meets at 13037 US 64 West Alternate Highway in Rocky Mount. Sunday morning, 945, small groups worship at 11 a.m. on Sundays, 6 p.m. on Sunday night. We have a time of worship together Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. We also have a time of prayer and Bible study together. Don't forget about our life ministry, our addiction recovery ministry open to men and women. We meet every Tuesday night beginning at 630 at Oakdale Baptist Church. We always begin with a meal together. We try to conclude by 8.30, 8.45 each Tuesday night. Free of charge, we'd love to have you join us. In the meantime, pray for one another. Encourage one another. Renew your mind with the Word of God, the truth of God that sets you free. Believe what God says about you. Nothing's impossible. You can change. There is a future. God loves you. He's provided a way for you already. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your blessed word today. I thank you for reminding us that you've called us not just to be hearers of the word, but Lord, to really receive your word and your truth, to apply it to our lives in the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would change us forever. Help us to be true to you. Help us, Lord, to be authentic believers and Lord, to live our life communicating that truth to a watching world that we are indeed forever changed. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I look forward to speaking with you again real soon. In the meantime, keep your focus, get plugged into a Bible-believing church, and serve the Lord with all your heart. Amen.